Holy Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for once again you have made us to be partakers of life. Not because of our righteousness or holiness have you done this, but it is an evidence of your love and grace towards us. We worship you, Lord, and we pray that our lives shall be the simple outworking of your will and shall be used to bring rejoicing, honor, and glory in heaven and to your holy name. For that purpose, Lord, we pray that as we fellowship with you now, that you would grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit because of our own selves we would go astray. Please grant us of your Spirit and help us, Lord, to hear things from your words today that will keep us in the narrow way. Grant us grace to rightly divide the word of truth and help me put your spirit upon me and your words in my mouth that the blessings will flow to your children impressed on our hearts to give us grace to be in the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 7 Without Excuse for the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 How tenderly the Savior dealt with him who was to be his betrayer. In his teaching, Jesus dwelt upon principles of benevolence that struck at the very root of covetousness. He presented before Judas the heinous character of greed, and many a time the disciple realized that his character had been portrayed and his sin pointed out, but he would not confess and forsake his unrighteousness. He was self-sufficient, and instead of resisting temptation, he continued to follow his fraudulent practices. Jesus dealt him no sharp rebuke for his covetousness, but with divine patience bore with this erring man, even while giving him evidence that he read his heart as an open book. He presented before him the highest incentives for right doing, and in rejecting the light of heaven, Judas will be without excuse. Satan is playing the game of life for every soul. He knows that practical sympathy is a test of the purity and selfishness of the heart, and he will make every possible effort to close our hearts to the needs of others. He will bring in many things to prevent the expression of love and sympathy. It is thus that he ruined Judas. Judas was constantly planning to benefit self. In this, he represents a large class of professed Christians of today. Therefore, we need to study his case. We are as near to Christ as he was. Yet, if as with Judas, association with Christ does not make us one with him, if it does not cultivate within our hearts a sincere sympathy for those for whom Christ gave his life, we are in the same danger as was Judas. 
we need to guard against the first deviation from righteousness for one transgression one neglect to manifest the spirit of christ opens the way for another and still another until the mind is overmastered by the principles of the enemy if cultivated the spirit of selfishness becomes a devouring passion which nothing but the power of christ can subdue amen The title of our devotion for today is Without Excuse and our key text taken from the book of 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 expresses something that describes in a very succinct way the life of Judas. It says there that the love of money is the root of all evil which while some have coveted after they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This describes Judas. Judas pierced himself true with many sorrows because of the love of money. Does the Bible teach that Judas had that love of money? Yes, it does. In the devotion in Conflict and Courage, page 286, paragraph 3, we read things like this. Judas was constantly planning to benefit himself. In this, he represents a large class of professed Christians of today. Therefore, we need to study his case we are as near to christ as he was yet if as with judas association with christ does not make us one with him if he does not cultivate within our hearts a sincere sympathy for those for whom christ gave his life we are in the same danger as was judas end of quote one person for whom Christ gave his life was a lady called Mary. Judas loved money so much that he cared not about Mary who had been delivered from sin. That's why we are told here, let us study his case because we are as near to Jesus as he was. Yet, because of that nearness and the contrast in the fact that you are near yet you are so far in that your life is so different from his own. That was why he was so condemned. The nature of Judas' character is revealed during the days close to the crucifixion of Jesus. When Jesus was brought as an honored guest in the house of Simon, who was healed of his leprosy by Jesus, Mary came and poured an expensive perfume on Jesus and washed his feet. John records the following about Judas' reaction to this display of kindness and love from Mary. John 12 verse 4 to 6 says, then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. I wonder why his name is containing two of the Maccabeans, Simon and Judas. These people must have been really <laughs> strong proponents of the Hasmonean kingdom. Okay, going on anyway, it says here, why, Judas said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Then this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Hmm. This record shows us that truly Judas was a self-seeking man and a thief. John is very scathing in his writing. He calls him a thief blatantly. What he cared about as Judas 
what he cared about the most was how to advantage himself to get wealthy. He saw Jesus as a means to an end and not an end in and of itself. People, brothers and sisters, do you have Jesus in your life? You don't need any other thing. Jesus is the end. Once we have him, we have everything. Wealth, possessions, all we have, our resources, our skill, our talent is to be used to secure Jesus for ourselves as a treasure hidden in a field. But Judas, like many professed Christians today, had it the other way around. He saw his association with Jesus, like many people do today, they see their association with Jesus as a means to secure wealth. Judas represents these pastors and Christians who subscribe to the teaching that when we come to Jesus, we are coming to him to help us to be rich and to be wealthy. There are many of them today, many all over, teaching this same lesson that Judas had in his mind. But the book of 1 Timothy 6 verse 3 to 4 addresses this matter clearly. It says, whoever teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the true words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching of our religion is swollen with pride and knows nothing. He has an unhealthy desire to argue and quarrel about words and this brings on jealousy, disputes, insults, evil suspicions and constant arguments from people whose minds do not function and who no longer have the truth. Now hear this, it says, they think that religion is a way to become rich. Oh my. Paul has just attacked 90% of the tele-evangelists of today. He has attacked 90% of those big churches and general overseers today who have this mindset and teach it to their members. They think that religion is a way to become rich. And they will say it. I can never be poor. Say you can never be poor and everybody will stand up in the church and start firing. I can never be poor. I can never be poor. That is the Judas. That is his mindset. Those who do not see Jesus as the end itself, they see Jesus as a means to an end. He came to deliver them from poverty. That's what they say. Judas was a proponent of the prosperity gospel which is so popular today. Every new year, we see people with stickers. They go for fasting 21 days. They go with the f- for fasting, which then they get stickers on the door of their houses and on their cars. These stickers are a revelation of their heart. People care less about the mission of Jesus to save them from their sins, and all they want is a God who will make them rich and deliver them from material poverty and not the poverty of their sin-sick souls. This is how Judas was. He was careless about his sins and always disappointed at Jesus' modesty and refusal to advantage himself with the work he was doing. Left for him, Jesus should have made merchandise of the miracles and healing he was doing. Jesus always had this contentious disciple to deal with and understood what all this means. And we read concerning how Jesus, Jesus dealt with him. Conflict and Courage, page 286, paragraph 2. How tenderly the Savior dealt with him who was to be his betrayer. In his teaching, Jesus dwelt upon principles of benevolence that struck at the very root of covetousness. He presented before Judas the heinous character of greed and many a time the disciple realized that his character had been portrayed and his sin pointed out but he would not confess and forsake his unrighteousness. 
he was self-sufficient and instead of resisting temptation he continued to follow his fraudulent practices jesus dealt him no sharp rebuke for his covetousness but with divine patience bore with his with this erring man even while giving him evidence that he read his heart as an open book he presented to him the highest incentives for right doing and in rejecting the light of heaven judas will be without excuse end of quote judas was not the only disciple who was covetous but one thing we can learn from here which we will talk about subsequently is how jesus dealt with him in understanding the nature of this man but just suffice to say today why judas was without excuse was that he was with jesus and jesus constantly presented to him the heinous character of greed and covetousness and it was not just judas like i was saying who was like this there were many people among those who were listening to jesus who were hoping that he will be their deliverer from poverty and will be the means of exaltation for israel at one time one of those who had this covetous spirit heard jesus speaking and teaching and came to him came to jesus expressing his desire for jesus to speak to his brother so that they can divide the inheritance in luke 12 reading from verse 13 to 15 the account is written like this it says and one of the company said unto him master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me and he said unto him man who made me a judge or a divider over you and he said unto them take heed and judas was there when he was saying this take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. amen what was jesus addressing here what is this covetousness it is that same desire to get 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 and not to give judas was that kind of person he stifled his desire to give and all he wanted was to get and we need to be careful lest we see such characters in ourselves like we read in the devotion that satan is playing games with us and when we resist the desire to do good once and resist the desire to be sympathetic towards those in need we will do it again and again and suddenly we will become very closed and covetous this man who came to jesus now asking him to divide the inheritance many of us will look at it like i mean why is jesus saying this kind of thing to this man he's asking for justice to be done that his brother should divide inheritance with him and why is jesus saying who made me a divider over you well let us get more insight into the story reading from christ's object lessons page 253 paragraph 1 and going downward it says through moses god had given directions concerning the transmission of property the eldest son received a double portion of the father's estate that's in deuteronomy 21 verse 17 while the younger brothers were to share alike this man thinks that his brother has defrauded him of his inheritance his own efforts have failed to secure what he regards as his due but if christ will interpose the end will surely be gained he has heard Christ's staring appeals and his solemn denunciations of the scribes and Pharisees. If words of such command could be spoken to his brother, he would not dare to refuse the aggrieved man his portion. In the midst of this solemn instruction that Christ had given, this man had revealed his selfish disposition. 
he could appreciate that ability of the Lord which might work for the advancement of his own temporal affairs, but spiritual truths had taken no hold on his mind and heart. The gaining of the inheritance was his absorbing theme. Jesus, the King of glory, who was rich yet for our sake became poor, was opening to him the treasures of divine love. The Holy Spirit was pleading with him to become an heir of the inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, and that faded not away. First Peter 1 verse 4. He had seen evidence of the power of Christ. Now, the opportunity was his to speak to the great teacher, to express the desire uppermost in his heart. But like the man with the mock rake in Bonyan's allegory, his eyes were fixed on the earth. He saw not the crown above his head. Like Simon Magus, he valued the gift of God as a means of worldly gain. Do you remember this is what I was saying about Judas? He valued Jesus only as a means of worldly gain and not gain itself. Whereas if you look at someone like Paul, Paul said that I may just have Jesus, I will give up everything. But for Judas, I will get Jesus so that I can get everything. But for the true Christian, I will give up everything so that I can have Jesus. I will spend my money, all my resources, my talents, my abilities, I will use them so that I can secure Jesus in my life. But for, for Judas, I won't spend anything, not one dime. I just want Jesus so that he can help me to get everything. That's how you see the difference between Judas and the true Christian. I'll continue to read it. It says, The Savior's mission on earth was fast drawing to a close. Only a few months remained for him to complete what he had come to do in establishing the kingdom of his grace. In establishing the kingdom of his grace. Yet human greed would have turned him from his work to take up the dispute over a piece of land. But Jesus was not to be diverted from his mission. His answer was man. Who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus could have told this man just what was right. He knew the right in the case, but the brothers were in a quarrel because both were covetous. Christ virtually said, It is not my work to settle controversies of this kind. He came for another purpose, to preach the gospel, and thus to arouse men to a sense of eternal realities. And there's a lesson for us to learn from this, the way Jesus dealt with this story. As pastors, as ministers, as missionaries, hear this now. It says, in Christ's treatment of this case is a lesson for all who minister in his name. When he sent forth the twelve, he said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Matthew 10 verse 7 and 8. They were not to settle the temporal affairs of the people. Their work was to persuade men to be reconciled to God. In this work lay their power to bless humanity. The only remedy for the sins and sorrows of men was Christ, is Christ. The gospel of his grace alone can cure the evils that curse society. The injustice of the rich towards the poor, the hatred of the poor towards the rich alike have their root in selfishness. And this can be eradicated only through submission to Christ, He alone, for the selfish heart of sin gives the new heart of love. Let the servants of Christ preach the gospel with the Spirit sent down from heaven and work as He did for the benefit of men. Then such results will be manifest in the blessing and uplifting of mankind as are wholly impossible of accomplishment by human 
power. Our Lord struck at the root of the affair that troubled this questioner and of, and of all similar disputes, saying, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. End of quote. Amen. So, for us, have we learned the lesson that Judas did not learn? Judas, just like this man we read about now, thought that his life was to be valued by the things he possesses. He attached his identity to that. He felt that what made him, I would say, worth anything or a human being or what gave him pride or made him feel good about himself was to have wealth and to have money. And like we read, like John said, he was a thief and even pretending to care for the poor when Mary was using that expensive perfume on Jesus and he made that statement, we should have sold this. He was so angry that the thing was wasted because he knew that this was just an opportunity I just lost now. If this thing was sold and they gave it to me, I'll tell them we're going to give it to the poor, but I'll pocket the money and this would have given me a lot of money. How much did he say he was going to get from it? He calculated it and said we would have sold this for 300 pence oh to cool cash that judas just lost now that's all he was thinking about he wasn't thinking about the poor he wasn't thinking of the woman who was showing her gratitude to jesus he wasn't thinking of the fact that this thing was used to actually honor jesus and be a blessing to all who viewed it and that today we're going to be talking about this story of the woman who used that perfume on jesus to anoint him before his burial and jesus said that she will always be spoken about forever because of what she has done judas wasn't thinking about that he had no sympathy for the poor whatsoever not a little all he was thinking of was these 300 pence is just wasted now look at how the 300 pence is just going on the floor look at how 300 pence is just going on somebody's head and after that what it has just been wasted as a smell that's all and tomorrow is gone i should have pocketed this money that is the mindset of judas thief that's what he was and if we have that same disposition to get 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 and not give we are like judas if we see jesus as a means to get money and wealth we are like him but the Lord is telling us, Satan is playing the game of life with our soul. Conflict and Courage, page 286, paragraph 3. He knows that practical sympathy is a test of the purity and unselfishness of the heart, and he will make every possible effort to close our hearts to the needs of others. He will bring in many things to prevent the expression of love and sympathy. It is thus that he ruined Judas. Judas was planning, constantly planning to benefit self. In this, he represents a large class of professed Christians today. Therefore, we need to study his case. End of quote. So, what is the Lord saying to us today? Do not close your heart to spend your money on those who need it. And do not see when people are spending money in helping the poor and being sympathetic to others and you see it as a waste because remember practical sympathy is a test of the purity and unselfishness of our heart if we are not practically sympathetic that is showing our sympathy for others by doing good deeds to them then we 
have an impure heart and we are selfish. But if we, by our desire to be liberal and to give and to help those who are truly in need, the worthy poor of the Lord, those who have been displaced and disadvantaged because of following the Lord, widows and orphans, and those who have been unfortunate, if we are not opening our hands to help, we are stifling the grace of God in our lives and as we hear the word of God all the time, it makes us to be without excuse. We are without excuse because we know what is right and we don't do it. But what is the solution for the covetous mind? We need to learn, like we have seen, Proverbs, Solomon said so many times, there is that withholdeth more than it is than is meat and it, it tends to poverty. But the liberal soul shall be made fat, and there is that scattereth, and, and he increaseth. Give, and it shall be given unto you, says Jesus. Good measure, pressed down together, running over, and that God will give the same unto your bosom. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 down to 10 says, For godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. My brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling you to open your eyes to the needs of people around you so that your heart does not become selfish and impure. Because that sympathy that you are supposed to express to those who are in need is testing you. If you don't express it, then it shows that the heart is not pure and it is selfish. But if you do express it, your love continues to increase and you become more and more like Jesus. So we are learning one thing today. If we must become more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we must have the image of God restored in us, we must learn to be unselfish, to seek first the kingdom of God and not be self-seeking. We must learn not to be among those who see Jesus as a means to gain wealth and, and to increase riches, but rather we must see him as the end itself, as the one who is the treasure hidden in the field and once we have him we want to share with others we want to bless others that they may know what we know and be blessed with the blessing that we have also received may the lord give us the grace and help us to understand these words properly that we may have a change of character in this particular matter of covetousness that desire to gain but rather we shall instead of being covetous become unselfish and desire to give the Lord give us the grace for that. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the words spoken to us today. I pray that you impress the words on the hearts of all of us who are listening and that in any way it applies to us, Lord, that your Spirit may help us to see its application and make the changes where necessary. Help us, Lord, not to be like Judas, that having heard these words, we will still continue to practice covetous things. Please, Lord, help us not to come to that position where, like Judas, we are lost and to without excuse because we knew the right thing and didn't do it. Please forgive us for the times we have been covetous and help us to become liberal like our Lord and sympathetic. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Amen.